Most fans of true crime would love the chance to experience catching a killer. This is where Hunt a Killer comes in. This is the best way to get in the shoes of a real detective and feel like you're solving an actual real-life murder. I'm absolutely addicted to Hack. I've been subscribed to their six-episode season since they were a thing and have played all but one of their standalone games. My office is filled with documents and evidence from their cases, and there's nothing like filing away when you've solved and closed the case. If you'd like to get your hands on one of their standalone cases, use our code SIRENS at checkout on their website, www.huntakiller.com. And hey, every episode helps fund the Cold Case Foundation, a nonprofit that assists in bringing justice to unsolved cases throughout the country. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. Get your get your shit together, ladies. Good God. Um, okay, so we are currently part two. Part two. It is part two. Duh. 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 So, for my listeners, if you haven't listened to part one, you're going to have to jump back over to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, for not, <laughs> for reasons. <laughs> That was good. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, and they are streaming wherever we're streaming, so, you know, shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, and before we start, I'm going to let them introduce themselves just a little bit so you know what you're getting into with them. So, I'm Shanna. I am a mom. <laughs> JK. Uh, I don't, I identify as a mom, but I'm not only a mom. Um, <laughs> I am co-host of You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma, a little podcast that my cousin and I do together mm-hmm. so that we can spend time together. Yes. And it's kind of blown up, so Aww, we're yeah. very thankful guys for that. <laughs> we do. We can actually say that we do, like we're, we're besties and she's we're my besties. person. That's yeah. awesome. We've yeah. known each other for a solid 40 years at this point. I literally <laughs> raised her. Kind of. Basically. I was her caretaker during the summers. Um, yep. I she was the been. babysitter with the worst influence ever. <laughs> oh, God. It was I so was bad. like, Mom, you're making poor decisions and paying these people to watch me. It's fine. It's fine. It was the 90s. Like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, we did whatever. And we are all from Oklahoma. Yes. Yep. yep. Born and raised. Yep. And my name is Shy, also a mom. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't identify as a mom. I am a teen mom. I'm a teenager's mom. That doesn't oh, sound no. right. No. I was not a teen mom. <laughs> I am a mom to teenagers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's my claim to fame right yeah. now. Is... And when did you guys start your podcast? We started October, uh, end of October 2021. Why do we all start in October? <laughs> you know, the fall is pretty boring in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of football on. Mm-hmm. And we're like, mm-hmm. we need something to do. You know what? Mm-hmm. And also, too, we knew seasonal depression was right around the corner. 
<laughs> and we're like, we got to find something to keep our little brains preoccupied mm-hmm. through what was already a hellacious year and a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Can't go on doing this much longer. What can we do? We hadn't seen a lot of each other. Yeah. Like literally Shan lived with us for a while. Um, years ago, not years in 2021. Ago. No, <laughs> this was years ago when Shane was just a young person coming to <laughs> coming to Oklahoma City, and so uh, we saw each other all at least once a week, didn't we? We yeah. had cookouts all the time. Pandemic hits, mm-hmm. we s- don't see each other. Um, and Shane was like, "Let's do this. Like we we don't get to see each other. I miss spending time with you. Like let's let's just let this be our time together." And I was like, did you guys, fucking sign me up. Did you start, um, I don't know how you do, I know you, sometimes you do it in the same room. <laughs> we've, yeah, always, so we've always, <laughs> we've always been in the same room, literally side by side. Okay. Within so close quarters that we can <laughs> touch each other's feet. <laughs> right now, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've always been, yeah. s- you know, side by side. We started in a walk-in closet. Literally. Sitting yeah. together. I feel you. Under a blanket fort. (laughs) Under a blanket fort. So we'd have like the sound dampening effect going on. Um, But yeah. That's awesome. It's, and then it's kind of. We were raised in a very uh, law enforcement family. Mm -hmm. So our, like Shai's dad and some of our uncles were sheriff's deputies and things like that when we were growing up. And then of course Shai's dad worked in the uh, prison system and just, our families forever telling stories about true crime and speculating about true crime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our moms like to gossip a whole lot. So there was always a lot of chit chat about who's doing what to whom and why, right. you know? So yeah, I was brought up in a first responder family. Yeah. Well, yeah. Literally everyone Same. is some sort of first responder. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, at dinner and people are talking about the grossest stuff and you just, it doesn't even phase you. Yeah. yeah. By, <laughs> I mean, by the, by the time you're, you know, out of high school, you've already heard the worst of the worst oh, yeah. and what can potentially happen. Yeah. And, um, so you're very, I feel like we're at young ages, like very on guard about most things, which mm-hmm. um, now we kind of, you know tell our kids you know as being women anyways being girls being female you kind of have to kind of set that early yeah that um expectation that not everybody is on this planet to do you right yeah Yeah. no that's majority is probably not so yeah and i mean we can talk about it anyway might as well talk about it on the podcast (laughs) yeah yeah we talk we talk about everything we talk about our mental health journeys yeah yeah um we talk about kids raising kids mm-hmm. yeah we talk about marriage we talk about pets. true crime yeah. we yeah. talk about pets <laughs> yeah we talk about everything and we don't we are not naturally outgoing people yeah so these are not conversations that we would typically have with strangers yep. yeah i feel you mm-hmm. and we're just kind of having conversations with ourselves and apparently like 10,000 people are listening at this point. Yeah. So yeah. And we're, we're like, Hey, like, <laughs> super proud of us for, for coming this far for sure. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't, we didn't expect that really at all. We were just like, let's do it. Let's see what yep. happens. If nothing else, this is for us, us to spend time together, us to spend time together. Yeah. And if people like it, Hey, like come, come into our little world and, yeah. and just hang out. That's kind of how it started with me. Like I was like, it's just my mom gonna be listening to this yep <laughs> and then it just it grows and you don't even know what happened 
half the time. Mm-hmm. And you guys came up here to my studio today yes. from Oklahoma City. Yes. Yeah, Oklahoma we both City live area. in the greater Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, City Metroplex. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> 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 Um, which is something that we don't recommend. You don't meet strangers on the internet <laughs> and just go to their houses. So, uh, you know. You know, it's so, been basically fine so far. <laughs> so far, it's been great. We, do what we say, not as what we do. That, so. Exactly. <laughs> We're going to tell you every time on the podcast, don't go to someone's house that you don't know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But in real life, we're going to... Unless, unless they're like, I have an awesome podcast set up. You should come do a podcast here. It's the new candy in a van. Yes, exactly. Okay. It, you know, you could have just said, I want to show you my setup. And I'm like, I'm down. I'm there. Our I'm setup there. sucks, but I, it yeah. doesn't even matter. You know matter. what? We're going to work on it, Shan. We're going to work on it. It's going to be great. We have a whole room. That yeah. we could use. We're going to work on it. We're going to get better. So <laughs> we are talking about Bobby Parker and Randolph Dial, yes. right? Yes. I get to listen this time. This is like, I don't have to tell the story. Yeah. I get to just listen and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so this is the part two again. If you haven't heard part one, hop on, on over to You're Doing Fine Oklahoma. Uh, catch up there, and then, then you can hit play. Like we'll wait. Yeah, here it's we fine. go. We're waiting. We'll right wait now. for you. Because mm-hmm. if okay. you start now, things are going to be really fucking. Yeah, confusing. it's it's going to be very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> go listen to part one now, and return in three, two, one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's kick it off. Go for let's it. Let's do this. So Tuesday, August thirty first of nineteen ninety four. Okay. Hot fucking day in Oklahoma. Yeah, you know it was 115 oh in southwest Oklahoma. Oh, God. So hot. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot. So, Randy Parker, the deputy warden at the Oklahoma State Reformatory in Granite, goes to work on a normal hot Oklahoma summer day. Every day, he walks the 200 yards from his home to his prison office. 200 yards. 200 yards. 200 yards. His that's home like, is right outside the gates. That's. <laughs> I was going to be like, how long is a football field? But More than no, 200. No, no one knows here. <laughs> it's 100 yards. Is it? Yes. So Ooh. it's two football fields. Two football fields. See? I didn't Go even get that right. balls. <laughs> <laughs> so he's walking the 200 yards from his house to his office. And... The Parker family that day, it's Randy Parker, Bobby Parker, and their two daughters. Okay. Brandy and Robbie. Brandy and Robbie. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Parker family that day had their normal breakfast. The kids headed off to school. And Randy headed to work. Right, because school is back in now. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yes. Okay. And Bobby set about doing her daily chores. Doing cleaning, getting stuff ready. I'm sure she was doing laundry, like meal prepping. Getting all the stuff done that she can't get done with her kids around. Doing the <laughs> shit that women do after yeah. people leave us the yeah. fuck alone. Yeah. Right? Just give me all two the seconds and everything in the world will be done. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she's kind of doing all this knowing that Randy will be home for lunch because he comes home for lunch okay. every day. <laughs> I'd be like, Does she make him eat? lunch every day? Oh, yeah. Aw, mm-hmm. that's so nice of her. 
Yeah, that's not the life I live. My Me husband, either. <laughs> my husband would tell you that if I have made him a plate of something, mm-hmm. he knows it's poison because right. that is not yeah. the life I live. Nope. Nope. You are a grown ass man. <laughs> Go get your own plate. Go get your own plate. You're fine. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. arms are fully functional. Nope. Yeah. So anyway, but that's cute that she did that. <laughs> Good for her. And she really loved him. <laughs> Um, when Randy comes home for lunch, there is a note on the counter that reads, went shopping, there is a sandwich in the fridge. Aw, And that's he's like, sweet. baller, gonna do this sandwich and live my life. Go back to work. I so wish somebody took care of me that way. That was just like, let me do all the things for you. Um, oh, wait. Queen, your husband <laughs> brought us snacks. <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, wait a second. Sure. <laughs> I've been eating strawberries and whipped cream for an hour. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Proceed. You're like, I sure wish I had that kind of service around here. Damn it. It's are calling me out. Can't even find good help these days. Never. Continue. I'm so sorry. So after school that afternoon, Randy receives a phone call from his oldest daughter, Robbie, saying mom's not home. He tells her, it's fine. She went shopping. There's a note. Um, The men are so dumb. (laughs) She'll probably be back soon. Right? I saw this note at noon, and it's 5 p.m., 4 p.m. now. And they live in Granite, Oklahoma. In small town (sighs) Oklahoma. There's nothing that you can do for four hours in a small town. No. But I'm sure it's fine. Everything's fine. He's like, it's totally, this is great. It's It's fine. fine. Everything's so fine. a couple hours later when he gets home from work, she's still not home. And he's like, hmm, this is weird. And then he recalls that that morning Randolph Dial was working at their home. So he's just like, hey, prison people. What a wonderful time to recall that all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, homeboys in the office. Can you find Randolph Dial? And just, like, put your eyeballs on him. Where's he at? Mm -hmm. They're trying to locate Dial. They can't. He's not there. And let me guess. No one even knew he was missing until that point. No, because he didn't have to show up to headcount. He was not required to go to headcount. So no one at all in the prison knew of his whereabouts. They had no idea about his movements that day. None of it. Great. The only person that knew was Randy Parker because when he left his house, he saw him with his that eyeballs. That morning, he saw him with yeah. his eyeballs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at that point, it's like 9 p.m., and a report is made that a prisoner has escaped the reformatory for how long? And that he <laughs> kidnapped and took a woman with him. Jeez. And they have escaped in a maroon Dodge caravan. Was it hers? Mm-hmm. Okay. So this whole time, the van is gone. She's gone. And Randy Parker's like, she went shopping. It's fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe he thought she drove to Oklahoma City. Or Lawton, or I guess. Lawton, but, yeah. I mean, still, like. I would tell someone, though, if I was going that far away, if I were leaving. Shy like, is like a shopper. Um, she could do it professionally. Oh, yeah, I took Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Is there any fucking way you could spend four hours shopping in Lawton? No. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Jeez. No. Mm-hmm. So, 
the report is made. People are like, oh shit, a prison escape. You know, mm-hmm. it happens here, but like not that much. So they cannot find anything. They cannot find these people. They're sending out, you know, they're putting out flyers everywhere. They're putting it on the news, everything. This was, this was 94? 94. Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. And a few days later, the minivan is found in Wichita Falls, Texas. Whoa. Yeah. They're That's like, how many miles away? Not that much. Not I as, mean, not as much as you'd think, but maybe like an hour from where they were. Oh, hour okay. and a half, I bet. Okay. Yeah. Not, not that much. And during the two days between the escape and the minivan being found, Bobby Parker had made two phone calls. So she made a phone call to one of her friends in Granite and to her uh, mother. So the call received by the friend from Bobby is the day after the escape. So they they noticed the escape or reported or whatever at 9 p.m. on August 31st. So September 1st, Bobby's friend gets a phone call and Bobby says into the phone, don't interrupt. I only have 15 seconds. I hope to be home soon. And then she started crying and the phone cuts off. So the friend's like, Mm -hmm. the fuck, Mm -hmm. you know? That would freak me out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fuck. Did the friend know, do we know if the friend knew at this point that she had been abducted or? Yes. From all accounts, it It was widely known. The majority employer in Greer County is the Oklahoma State Reformatory. Okay. So everybody and their dog knew that there was an escape. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know how she could have, couldn't have known. And they probably too were calling everyone she knows, been like, have you seen her? She's gone. Right. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And then a similar call is made to her mother. Okay. Almost verbatim. Like back to back? Yes. Okay. In the, in the same timeline. Okay. So she's calling two people. They kept it so short that there wasn't a great the ability to trace the call whatever 94 and the when they find the van they're kind of like oh shit so in the van there's no sign of a struggle but i'm like what would be a struggle in the van yeah um but there is a pack of basic brand cigarettes which was the brand that Dial smoked. And, and they Bobby were did like, not smoke, right? No. Okay. And they were like, oh, okay, then this is probably... Yeah. They are probably together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they found her hair in the van, too. Oh. Never tested well, the van, or never tested the hair at all. They probably just assumed it was hers because it was her van. Yeah. Which is not very good police work. But. No, but... <laughs> this was 94 before yeah. they were like really like locking down crime scenes and such too if you think about it they sort of find out they're they're doing investigations during this time it literally after dial is reported to be escaped they're doing investigations they're interviewing inmates that dial had had um interactions with in the days leading up to the escape why would they tell them anything doesn't he have all this blackmail on them not necessarily blackmail, but he would uh, barter things for them. So he would be like, 
I know that I know that you're getting transferred or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you give me two packs of cigarettes, I'll tell you where they're going to transfer you to. Okay. Like shit okay. like that. Okay. It wasn't anything. Uh, hey, we just found out you have herpes or whatever. It wasn't anything like that. It, <laughs> it was, was like insider information. It was essentially okay. insider information. And yeah. I don't think he was actively selling like prison security secrets or yeah. anything to anyone, but he would, he said he would barter things for information and well, mostly it was cigarettes. And if he's gone, there's no one left to barter with. So I guess why not tell him what you know? Yeah. 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 So, and at this point, I mean, for the most part, if you were an escaping inmate and they had to track you down, there was a good a good chance you were going to get shot. Ooh, in lovely, you know, because they would go out with their shotguns and rifles and yeah, go try to track them down. Mm-hmm. But they, this guy, just kind of disappeared into the wind. Yeah, <laughs> which is name the name of his book. <laughs> And there we go. So they're asking inmates, you know, do you know anything about this? And from all accounts that inmates were giving, Dial had sort of spun this story that him and Bobby Parker were in a relationship. Because he was delusional. Yeah, because he was fucking crazy. stalking her and shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he did know things about her because they talked while she was in the gym. Right. And while she... While he was working at the Parker household, she essentially tolerated his presence and had small talk with him. Right. And he utilized any piece of information to try to spin this into, she loves me. Well, and how do we know? Because this this studio or whatever was in their garage. Mm-hmm. So how do we know that he just wasn't like going through her things like yeah. inside the house whenever he could, you know? 1000%. And I think that's what they sort of alluded to when we talked in part one about Randy Parker asking, asking for dial to be removed from yeah. his property. Yeah. They sort of alluded to that, that he was way overstepping Getting into the yeah. underwear drawer. Mm-hmm. Oh God, mm-hmm. probably. <laughs> Yeah. So gross. Like, at one point, he painted a nude portrait of Bobby <gasps> Parker. What? Yeah. Yeah. And let, Red flag. Let me just say, too, that I know artists that have painted nude, actually sketched nude portraits of people in, that were fully clothed. Yeah. But the nude portrait they did, or picture they did, was almost, like, spot on. So... He could well, yeah, have done as long that as you with know her. what boobies look like when they're well, naked. Yeah, like, yeah and yeah. you just kind of know the outline of... And what the body shape yeah. is. Yeah, and, and her body shape. and so when We're they not were like, saying she posed for him. <laughs> right, Absolutely no, not. <laughs> not no. at all. But she he, could have been standing in the garage yes. and he saw her and was like, ooh, I bet she'd look like this naked and, yeah. you know, threw it up. But so. this was sort of the tale that he was spinning mm-hmm. to people was Makes that he, creepier. <laughs> he and Bobby Parker were in this relationship and one way to prove this was that he had painted her nude oh and gosh. shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. So... All of these inmates were kind of given this information that at minimum he was obsessed with her. At most, they were in a relationship. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's where it sort of came from is all this chatter is starting to influence Department of Corrections officials and Greer County and everything else to say, is she a willing participant? Yeah. Or is she not? Right. right. You know? Did they report those phone calls that they got? They, the, yes, the... 
the mom mm-hmm. and um, the friend. in Kansas and the friend both reported them. They tried to trace and apparently weren't okay. able to. Okay. Um, but other information that they received from inmates during this time frame is that in the weeks leading up to the escape, Dial had been trying to barter with different inmates for volume, for volume pills. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As in something that would incapacitate. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So Randy Parker immediately believed that Dial somehow drugged Bobby Parker, kidnapped her, and escaped in the van. Yeah. To Texas. That checks out. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. Which it all signs point to that. Yeah. I think. Ten days after the escape, so we're now on, like, September the 9th, Bobby made the last phone call, and it marked the last time anyone in her family would hear her voice for over ten years. So she made a phone call to her sister-in-law, which was her brother's wife, Okay, saying, I'm okay, I need you to tell the girls I'm okay, I love them, everything is going to be fine wasn't heard from again so she's alive though for Mm -hmm. for that that 10 years yeah oh my gosh yeah so as time goes on the leads are very few and far between one of the most credible sightings of dial and bobby parker is from september 1994 which is the month after they escaped right and it was reported that a man matching Dial's description with a woman that looked like Bobby, but with blonde hair, were at an art show in Galveston, Texas. Oh my God, guys. <laughs> yeah, which totally tracks, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Totally tracks. By the time they got down there and investigated it, I mean, there was nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So was she a willing participant in this? That's, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. It's bananas. So during their, like, during their time on the run, it just kept being a bigger rumor mill. Yeah. The longer she stayed gone, the more people were like, well, they haven't found her dead, so she must be right with yeah. him, yeah. right? Yeah. And That's unfortunate. Yeah. And it just kept kind of exploding because mm-hmm. they would... um they would put it on the news every once in a while. I remember being a little kid. They would put it on the news. Hey, has anybody seen these people? Yeah. Um, and then in 95, Unsolved Mysteries did an episode. Oh, really? About it. Okay. And Randy Parker appeared on the episode. Okay. They also did an America's Most Wanted in 95. Ooh, that checks out. Yep. And... They were always just forever begging for help finding Bobby Parker, where she located any, and any tip that leads to the apprehension of Dial or Parker. Okay. The FBI would give a $20,000 reward. Right. So. That's a pretty big reward. Yeah. So that was all out there for years and years and years. In 98... A former Tulsa homicide detective named Charles Sasser published a book about Dial's escape. Oh. So he publishes this book 
these people are still on the run. Right. This is three years after, four years after the fact. Okay. He publishes this book called At Large. The book is like, okay. I mean, it, whatever. <laughs> it's probably regionally popular or whatever, but yeah. it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of information about Dial's background. Right. Which there's not a lot of information out yeah. there. He was kind of, um, he kind of just kept to himself and kind of moved around the country and did art sales. And he like managed a gallery at one point in Galveston, Texas. Right. Mm-hmm. But this book by this detective, he, he kind of went around doing like regional book signings and stuff like that around the state of Oklahoma. Okay. As we do. Yeah. And in 2001, which was a few years after the, the book was published, he got a call from Randolph Dial. Himself? Uh-huh. Like the man himself? That's what he says. Okay. And he said he spoke with Dial for over an hour. Whoa. And that Dial told him he got everything right in his book. In his book, he writes that Bobby Parker is a willing participant. Uh-huh. And they had a relationship and they absconded together in a minivan. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Like lovers do. But also, like you're trying to sell a book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was all projection. There was no way to know any of this. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets this call. He says he speaks with him for an hour. He says during this time, he also speaks with Bobby Parker. What? Uh-huh. Who told him at the time she was happy and fine and didn't know whether getting in touch with her family at this point in her life would just cause more of an issue. Oh my gosh. And I think at one point too, she was like, should I just let them continue thinking I'm dead? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So one side of me is like, okay, well, she totally ran off with him. But the other side of me is like, that dude's just trying to sell a book. Yeah. Like, right. Who and knows if, if that actually took place? Who knows so if that phone call took place? The phone call did. We do know the phone call okay. took place because um, Dial and um, Bobby both stated they did talk to this like guy. Like later. Okay. Right. Okay. But the way, the way it was more portrayed was basically um, Dial told Bobby if she, you know, asks for help in any way, like, it's going to, she'll be sorry. And so when Bobby was um. like, I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. Wink, and so, wink. yeah. So there was, and that's her side of the story. So, but yeah. again, I can, like, this is what Shane and I went back and forth on. Like, yeah, you know, did she willingly do it? Was she totally just, um, a, you know, a victim of sociopathic? And then in that 10 years, she's just like totally brainwashed. And this is, yeah. you guys were telling me how manipulative this dude was mm-hmm. in the last episode. So... Yep. Which is this some sort of weird Stockholm syndrome yeah. happening? Yeah. That yeah. was my take. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is. And as a crazy. mom, you're thinking, well, if I don't do what he says, he's going to come back. He's going to kill my kids. He's going to, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. You're dealing with yeah. with a murderer. Yeah. Right. You Literally know? a murderer. So who knows? Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. After Sasser gets this phone call, he reports it to the FBI. They aren't able to trace the call. And they talked for an hour. Whatever. Why, I was like, why okay. aren't they able to trace the call? Does did it have to be like a live call at the time to be traced? This is two thousand and one. Okay. I mean, we have <laughs> cell phones. And well, stuff. 
<laughs> and I mean, even back then, like in the yellow pages, like if you look at your phone bill back then, it tells you exactly what calls you made and like where that call was located at least. Exactly. Like, okay. Yeah, there had to <laughs> yeah. be a way that they should have been able to trace that call. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about it and my spidey sense says something ain't right there, but. Well, and also how did he even get that guy's phone number to begin with? Yeah. Like, I'm just guessing. He just looked it up in the phone book. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's I mean, crazy. back in the day, people willingly put their numbers in a phone yes, book. Yes, yes. You know? That was a yeah, thing that happened. That is a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And their addresses, by the way. Oh, and yeah. their addresses. I totally yes. forgot about their addresses that. were in there, We had too. addresses and phone numbers yeah. in the yellow pages. You yeah. had access to everybody's mm-hmm. shit. You really yeah, did. Yeah. Everything. And if your teenager had a line, it would say, like, the Joneses teenager yeah. line or I know. whatever. And How you're like, scary is that? Oh, do you want to yeah. call and harass young girls? Here, call this number. <laughs> exactly. What a great plan. Yeah. That was real smart. Ew. Oh. I forgot how gross we were. We were yeah. there. The ignorance <laughs> in the nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, there is just ignorance, right? Yeah. Ew. yeah so, no, so that's why I'm wondering, like, if you look on the, the, the bill, Okay, well, the call came from this number. Well, let's just look in the phone book for that area. Here's the name, the phone number, and and the address. <laughs> so one would just, think, even okay. if it's a payphone, and yeah, but fuck you would each still have the area. They can trace payphones. Yeah. yeah, like they were doing that in the '90s. You still knew what area it was coming from. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, that's weird. <laughs> I don't buy it. That's just what it said. So I'm just telling you guys what I heard. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So the Ameri- America's Most Wanted episode that they did in 95 would eventually be the only thing that brought this shit home. Uh, they were the ones that put out the, was it $20,000 or something? The FBI put out a $20,000 okay. reward. But I'm sure they advertised it oh, yeah. on America's Most Wanted. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this person, this America's Most Wanted fan, um, probably OG Murderino right there. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Was watching America's Most Wanted and went on to America's Most Wanted website and was looking at stuff and saw a picture of Randolph Dial and Bobby Parker and was like, these fucking people live down the road from me. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah. This person calls into uh, the FBI and says, hey, I... I know where these people are. I will take you to their house today. Oh, if you want to send an agent this yeah. way, oh, I know where they live. Okay. They get this call. It's a couple living near the v- incredibly small town of Camp T, Texas. Okay. Okay. I would say it's outside of center Texas, but nobody knows where the fuck that is either. <laughs> no, I know it's talking. right along the border of Louisiana. Yeah. It's okay. literally it's like- right across the border from Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, how far away do we know? How far away is this from where we started? Oh. Like a couple hundred miles? Oh, well, no, it's, more than that. it's going to be a couple hundred miles from Dallas. Okay. So. Yeah. I know where Dallas is. Yeah. <laughs> DF, I mean, Lawton to DFW and then Dallas to Camp T, Texas is probably uh, maybe 400 miles. 400 miles or 300, 300 400 miles. But we're still in Texas. Yeah, that blows my mind. Did not leave Texas. That's what blows my mind. You would think they would go at least into another state. That's what I can't comprehend. So you know this, um, the guy that escaped prison with the corrections officer in Georgia. 
right, right. just last uh, two K- months ago. Casey. Yeah, Casey Smith or something, whatever it is. And she is something white. White. They're both white. They're yeah, both they're white. Both yes. White. Right, right. Because my husband was like, are they related? Yes. No. no, they weren't. They were just having an affair. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were both white. They were both white. Super white. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> um, so those two escaped and just went to Indiana. Yeah. Like, after weeks, you're only in Indiana? Yeah. You would think, like, the goal would be, like, crossing the border somewhere. I'm crossing every border that I possibly can. Go to Canada, and then what was that one guy? Um... The don't fuck with cats guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Luca he was Magnata. Like, let's oh. yes, Luca Magnata. He was like, let's go to Canada and then let's go to France. Yeah, I'm not staying here. Like, yeah, you would think cross some borders. I mean, why, why stay so close <laughs> to the region that you even are if wanted they, in? Even if they went across the border to Mexico and they could just keep going. Yes, like, I don't know. That's crazy. We know. know. We know from our research of the. Uh, the cartel people down in Mexico that are blonde hair and blue eyed. Yeah. Those people would have fit in just fine down there. Yeah. Just fine. So this America's Most Wanted viewer calls in to the FBI, says, these people live down the road from me. The FBI mobilizes within a couple of days. I'm glad they took that seriously. Yeah, yeah. they took it super seriously because at that point they were not getting any more tips. Yeah. Yeah. So they were like, in 10 years, like this person sounds pretty, yeah. pretty mm-hmm. sure. You know? Yeah. So they mobilized FBI from Texas. They also mobilized uh, Texas Rangers as well as local Texas law enforcement. Okay. And people from Greer County in Oklahoma. So they took a team down there. They sort of checked everything out, looked at where these people were living. And the location that they were directed to was... A small Please like, say a chicken farm. Please say a chicken farm. <laughs> it definitely is a chicken farm. Oh, yes. <laughs> it definitely mm-hmm. is a chicken farm. And it was a small, like, single wide trailer oh my God, that they were living on in the woods on this chicken farm chicken in farm? East Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nailed it. Nailed yep. it. <laughs> I wouldn't have said it a trailer, but. <laughs> I felt like there was chickens in there somewhere. <laughs> so this place is literally in buttfuck Egypt, Texas. Oh my gosh. Three miles off the closest paved road. Okay. So just dirt roads everywhere. And on April 4th, 2005, which was almost 11 years after they went missing... Dial is taken into custody peacefully after agents and law enforcement surrounded the trailer, walked up to the door, and knocked on the fucking door. What? Uh-huh. I shit you not. Yeah. I shit oh, you not. Man. He came to the door. He's just like, I've been expecting. <laughs> For real. He was. For real. Literally. He came to the door. <laughs> And they said he was sort of surprised, but he had been anticipating it for years. He was cooking a fucking steak (laughs) on the stove. (laughs) That's funny. And had a loaded revolver sitting on the table next to him. Whoa. Yeah. So he just didn't want to die that day. He did not have ambitions to die that (laughs) day, apparently. Well, you know what? Good for you. Yeah. Good for you not wanting to go down in a blaze of glory. Well, I mean... (laughs) He would have for sure gotten her involved and taken her with him. So yeah, yeah, glad that went that way. So yeah. the best thing about it was these agents 
waited until he was alone in the trailer house. Like they were watching him. Oh, okay. So she wasn't there. For a couple of days, they were watching their movements to see what their timing was. If it was the actual people that they were looking for. Yeah. And after the first day of watching him, they were pretty fucking sure it was... Dial rarely ever came out of the house. So he probably like sent her out to do the Mm -hmm. shopping and everything. Okay. But Bobby left the house and they were like, that's her. So they started tracking her movements and they wait for her to go to work and then he made her go to work. She oh, just was, wait. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. This and then they shit. they give it a couple hours, and they surround the trailer, go up to the door, and he just he just surrenders peacefully. So then they go pick up Bobby. Okay. Where is she working at? On a chicken farm. <gasps> chicken farm. <laughs> That's two for me. On a chicken farm. Wait, a completely separate chicken farm? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So their little chicken enclave, if you will, (laughs) is part of a larger operation. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So they just kind of live on the outskirts of this farm. Gotcha. And they're living in, like, help housing. Okay. Basically. Um, That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So she's kind of going all over this massive chicken ranch operation ranch we've upgraded (laughs) um and so they go to find her and she's mowing the lawn on this ranch after she's already done chicken chores and like cleaned out fucking chicken coops and stuff like that like come to find out she's the only one working well if I, i immediately knew that i just knew that because he wanted to work on his art projects. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's why he stayed uh, in Texas. Because maybe he had hookups at those galleries and stuff that he was still selling to or something. So I do remember one of the things. Um, there is video footage of him at a women's lunch in one of the little small communities around there that was an art lunch. And he was the special art speaker at this women's luncheon. And it was a video of him in his nice little button-down shirt, slacks, like, as this other persona, talking to this at this women's luncheon about art. They didn't... Did they not know that he was, like, wanted? Nope, not at all. It's like, going by a different name or something? Yeah, Yeah, they went by a different name. They went by a different name. So they were going by Richard and Samantha Deal. Dick and Sam. Yeah, exactly. That checks out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He seems like a Richard. Mm-hmm. He was a total Richard. He was a total. <laughs> total Richard. Don't be a Richard. <laughs> anyway. So we get sidetracked. Sorry. So they're going by Richard and Samantha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And everybody knows her as Sam. Okay. Because she, like I said, she's the only one that ever went out and about. Right. He um, pretty much stayed inside all of the time. I guess he thought... My face would be recognized more than hers, except I'll go speak at this lecture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think he was still tr- like trying to sell art. That's he was brazen it. as fuck. Let's yeah. just say that. Yeah. Okay. But Let's just say that. He wanted her to do all of the dirty work. All dirty the work. everything. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like. While yeah. he did his art. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are you, 14? <sighs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So that same day that he's taken into custody, Bobby is picked up. They don't take her into custody. They don't charge her with anything. Okay. 
Um, Randy Parker is notified that his wife has been found. She is alive. Oh, man. Come down to Texas. Yeah. Basically. Oh, man. Yeah. So they did not tell him anything until they were 100% sure that it was her. Did they even tell him that, like, she was alive? Yeah, they they told him. They were like, come down to Texas. She's she's alive, and she's well, and she, you know... Yeah. I can't imagine what that was like. Yeah. He was he was ready. He was like on as soon as he found out, he was like, let's go. Let's yeah. get down there. Jeez. He was in Good Texas the same day. At that point, they kind of start questioning people around the town of Camp T, Texas and Center, Texas. And they found a woman who Dial and Bobby Parker had worked for previously on another fucking chicken farm. Oh my god, I'm three for three. Um, <laughs> so many chicken farms. <laughs> So this woman named Deborah Grace employed them and they lived on her farm. It was very quickly that she realized that the relationship between them, even though he was kind of purporting them to be a married couple, she was like, that shit was toxic Mm -hmm. and it was real bad. So he would always send her to work. Right. Right. And he stayed in the trailer. She was the only one that would clean out chicken coops and stuff like that. It was too messy and dirty for him. Oh, my God. And. But killing is not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this woman, Deborah Grace, would frequently find Bobby Parker sitting on, like, an overturned bucket in the chicken coops, just being alone and crying. And that's where she just kind of escaped to all the time. So sorry, Bobby. Yeah. Yeah. And then at one time, Deborah Grace comes by the house that they're living in for whatever, a visit or whatever. And sort of happened upon a domestic violence incident between the two. And she had to intervene because she was afraid the dial was going to kill her. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. So she was very afraid for Bobby. Deborah... Grace asked Bobby multiple times if Deborah could help her get out of this relationship and go to well, that's good like a domestic violence center. Can I call the cops on him? But she can't be like, well, no, because exactly you know. <laughs> exactly. this whole situation. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, she uh, plays the role of. I, I love him and yeah. I can't leave him and all this stuff really knowing that suck. you know if he gets picked up he will use his connections yeah. to kill my children and yeah. shit like that you know what I mean yeah God. so after that Deborah Grace was like pretty soon they were gone and wow. she's on to them yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I didn't hear from them again yeah but I always hoped that Bobby was okay yeah you know she was a she said I was afraid he was gonna kill her oh so Anyway, um, that kind of tells you what people on the outside were seeing from their relationship. And even though they were getting these sorts of reports, there was still all of the chatter and innuendo, especially in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. after she was found, that, oh, she left willingly. Why would he keep her alive this long unless they were together participating together and all that so why couldn't she just leave if she could leave to go to work every day why couldn't she just you know walk down the road and ask for help 
And it turns out the convenience store where she cashed her paychecks every week, every two weeks, Mm -hmm. was right across the street from the local sheriff's department. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So even the sheriff's uh, department in that area of Texas was getting in on it and was like, we can see this convenience store that she was in every week. She could have just walked across the street. Like, what's the problem? (sighs) Did you not have like a big giant poster of her face in your office? Yeah. So I was just like, wow. So everybody was sort of blaming her and asking how it's possible that she wasn't a willing participant. Well, and you also have no idea that it's been 10 years. Who knows if she wasn't chained up for the first five of it? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I mean, you know, you give a little, you give a little, and then finally they're not on chains anymore. You know, it's just, you never know. Yeah. And literally no one knows what happened those first few years because even Dial in his book did not really disclose well he's not going to implement himself no you know and and if that's literally all that happened like if if anything like that happened then you know he's not going to tell you about it no right no so after he's taken into custody he immediately tells authorities she was not a willing participant i took her at knife point from her home in granite I stole her vehicle. I drugged her. I was the one driving the car. Um, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And he said he kept her in line under... He never admitted to abusing her or even touching her. But he said he kept her in line with threats that... Her family, right? uh That he would kill her family. He would have her family killed because of all of these connections. You know, but he admitted to the cops immediately that like all that was bullshit and he had zero connections to anyone and whatever. He was just obsessed with her. Yeah. But I mean, from her point of view, I would think, well, you have to have some sort of connection to escape from prison so easily. Like for you to be a trustee and for, you know, the warden to love you so damn much. And yeah, right. And that's probably what was going on in her head when he told her that he has connections that can get rid of her family. She was like, well, shit. Yeah, it's probably true because, you know, he probably gave her those. You were a murderer with minimum security status. Yeah. Yeah. And trustee status. Yes. That is so crazy. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel bad for her. So he's sitting in jail in East Texas and giving media interviews he's like living his best life Mm -hmm. because he is the focus of attention he gets to talk about himself and how great of an artist he is and how you know i need to see one of these yeah he's giving sculptures or whatever all of these interviews while he is sitting in jail and while he's sitting in jail, he's just spouting off bullshit. He's telling people he's a Vietnam vet. He was a Green Beret. He has all these connections, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, you're sitting in jail. You had an FBI raid your fucking trailer house. Yeah. You don't have any connections. Yeah. No. If you were living in a trailer house on a chicken farm, yeah. you don't have you any connections. You don't have connections. No. no. You're fine. Calm down. Um, But he... He said... After they ditched the minivan in Wichita Falls, they stole a vehicle, drove down to Houston, where they lived in the car and ate at a local homeless shelter for, like, the first few weeks. 
So that totally tracks with him being in Galveston less than a month at that art show. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, he went on to state that they never had a sexual relationship, although he was infatuated with her from the time that he first met her. He said that they occupied separate bedrooms in the home and she was very much treated as a captive who developed Stockholm syndrome out of fear. I mean, that I believe. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that he didn't rape her. I don't know if I believe that. Well, it's funny you say that because (laughs) after he's extradited from Texas back to Greer County in Oklahoma, that's where Granite is. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he's charged, but he is charged only with a felony account count of escape from a penal institution. That's not the whole- kidnapping. Uh uh-uh. uh Even though he admitted to kidnapping. Mm-hmm. What? That's the only charge he fa- he faced because he already had a life sentence with the possibility of parole. But they were like, "We'll just never parole him. We'll just go make him service." That's not how you do this. (laughs) That's not how this is done. Like, you can charge him with other shit. Jesus. And then if for some reason the life sentence is ever ever returned, he's going to serve time for the other shit he did. Well, not only that, but he could get life without parole for kidnapping alone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a life sentence, now, I don't know, I don't know in Texas, but a life sentence in Oklahoma is around 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you're, we're not even including the parole on there. So yeah. charge him. <laughs> like, why are we not charging him? That's yeah. so stupid. So they charged him with that um, escape from a penal institution. He literally said it with his mouth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. He, he was sentenced to serve time at OSP in McAllister. Okay. Oklahoma State Penitentiary in McAllister. Yeah. Um. This was in 2005 when he was taken into custody. He died in 2007. Well, good. At OSP. <laughs> and, uh, like, good riddance to bad rubbish, right? Jeez. So, it would be nice if it ended there. It doesn't. Oh. Um, well, I mean, she's got a lot of psychological stuff to get through. So yes. Just wait, it gets worse. Oh, yes. No. So, Bobby Parker, in 2005, reunited with her husband, they reunited in Texas and he immediately took her to his new home in Fort Supply, Oklahoma, which is Northwest Oklahoma. That's got to be a lot to take in. (laughs) He was at that point, the warden over William S. Key correctional facility facility. Okay. And at this point he's in his early forties, which is, I mean, he climbed the career ladder fast in DOC. So he was living in um, Fort Supply, just on the grounds of William S. Key, because mm-hmm. that's where the warden's, warden's house is. House is mm-hmm. on the grounds. Mm-hmm. Yep, right off the highway. We drove by it a hundred thousand times. The time. That's where she would go back home to. Okay. One of her daughters was already grown, so she was like twenty years old at the time. One of her daughters was getting ready to graduate high school. Her youngest daughter was getting ready to graduate high school. Missed everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Missed absolutely everything. And so they thought they were going to be able to kind of just go home, pick up the pieces, heal, become a family, you know, work through all that 
weird shit that is when you haven't seen someone in 10 years and now yeah. you live with them and again. Like literally all the trauma, because not only did she go through trauma, which we don't even know the extent of the trauma she went through, yeah. but to being children and losing your mom and never knowing yeah. where your mom is or what even happened to her. Yeah. There's uh, there's no telling what happened to those poor And growing girls. up with people speculating that your mom oh, God. is... Yeah, yeah, man, like, people are awful In love with a like felon that she absconded yes. with, you know what I mean? But then yeah. having a mom who maybe doesn't want to ever talk about any of that stuff, and you just really need answers. Yeah, yeah. like, did that ever happen? Yeah. Like, was there, yeah, so... And that's what we don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, for three years, they try to live that life, right? Yeah. They try to get back to normal, do what they can do to just live a normal life. And she said after she was found people were asking her what do you want to do and she was like i'd like to go back to teaching you know she thought she was going to have a normal life oh man um in 2008 the district attorney of greer county brought charges against bobby no for assisting in a prisoner escape (sighs) yep three years later Uh why i'll tell you oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) so during the search of the home in Camp T, Texas, they collected like 800 pieces of evidence. Oh my God. 800 from a two bedroom single wide. Part of that evidence that was collected were Valentines that were exchanged between oh. Randolph Dial and Bobby Parker. Oh no. Love letters. <gasps> no. And condoms. There was also, like, a vibrator found, but that's neither here nor there, and I'm not here to kink shame anybody. No, like... No, live your life. So they decided it was all consensual. That's what... Yes, that's what they decided. Man. Yes. So... I don't believe... I don't know if I believe that, still. Yeah. You do what you gotta do to stay alive, man. You do what you have to do. That's what... and, And that was the whole... That was the whole thing. So, again... She's found in 2005. They don't charge her until 2008. They don't try her until 2011. So six years Jeez. of dragging on and on. Yeah. What six, happened to fair and speedy trial? That's exactly what we were just... And like six years, she lived in fear of potentially going to prison. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's just... For something that held a maximum sentence of 10 years. Yeah. Jury selection for this trial took weeks because, like I mentioned earlier, everybody knew about it. Everybody knew about it, and everybody has some connection to the Oklahoma State Reformatory in Granite in Greer County. Mm -hmm. It is the largest employer in that county. Mm -hmm. Okay? Everybody. The jury selection took weeks. The trial itself took for fucking ever. And this was the state versus her, not... This wasn't a federal. Right. This was a state. This was a state. So, Bobby hired an awesome defense attorney. She hired a guy named Garvin Isaacs. I've heard that name before. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Uh, Isaacs was the lead defense attorney for Jean Leroy Hart in the Girl Scout murders trial. Okay. I was like, I have spoken about him. I can't remember where. Yeah. During opening statements... They painted the relationship between Dial and Bobby as one that was controlled by fear, drugs, and rape. That checks out. That totally checks out. (laughs) 
The defense alleged that Bobby was repeatedly raped by Dial and was controlled with alcohol and drugs provided by Dial. So essentially, mm-hmm. he wanted to keep her drunk and high all of the time so she couldn't... Oh, my God. Ha- so she wouldn't have the wherewithal to, to walk away. Yeah. Right? Keep him weak. Yes, mm-hmm. keep him weak. I mean, come on. That's any abuser's MO, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. For sure. Keep him weak and keep him... Mm-hmm. Uh, secluded. Keep him close. Keep him weak. Yep. So the state's argument, of course, was that Bobby fell in love with Dial and took her opportunity to flee from a loveless marriage to be with him. Where's the evidence of a loveless marriage? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, there was none. And the whole thing is, during all of these years, Randy Parker himself is forever like, I just want my wife back. Jeez. If he truly believed that she would have left on her own volition, he would have just divorced her yeah. and moved on with his life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or even after, I think, I can't, I don't remember what, it, I don't know what it is in Texas, but after like seven years or something like that, if someone is gone for seven years, I think you can declare them dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're free to do what, he didn't do that, right? So no. he obviously had some sort of hope. Yeah. He, of, he, held, he was the one holding out hope for her return. Ugh, yeah. This breaks my heart. Yeah. So she's on trial. They're reading these love letters and valentines in front of her husband talking about a fucking vibrator and oh my god yeah everything like that (laughs) um one of the letters sort of alluded to the idea that bobby didn't want to live without dial and it basically said at some point we will be together forever in heaven well, I mean, come on. You've brainwashed her for 10 years yeah. into thinking that you can't survive without him. I mean, come on. Yeah. This is what they do. Yeah. Like, that's literally the entire purpose. He won. He did and, it. He did what he set out to do. And if you're an abuse victim, what do you try to do to get your abuser to not hurt you? <laughs> Kill themselves. Make them make <laughs> yeah. them think you love them. Make them think you're here. You here go. You for go them. first. Here's the gun. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, come on. So, Jeez. yeah. So the state's first witness on the stand was Agent Robert Williams from the OSBI, and he alone, he by himself, provided testimony for 14 straight days. What? Wait. Whoa. Yes. Holy cow. Yes. Jeez. Absolutely insane. I can't even imagine what he's talking about for 14 days straight. Exactly. And then one of the state's witnesses, which was Warden Cowley, Mm -hmm. the man himself. Of course it was. Testified that he saw Bobby and Dial sitting on a porch swing together drinking coffee in the days prior to the escape. So he's like setting up this whole thing that they had a relationship. Not that his fucking terrible management of that prison led to a prisoner escape with a kidnap. And I feel like maybe that's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he was trying to do everything in his power to take any spotlight Mm -hmm. or any type of eyes off of him and what he was doing at that prison. And so no charges were brought against him. Yeah. For any of that. And within days of them leaving, within escaping, everything Dial had painted the murals painted Gone. the pottery studio everything was covered up was covered up oh yeah and this God. is from prison this is prison employees not prisoners <sighs> that were on the stand said yeah with within days of them leaving 
we were told to cover everything up. Yeah, they didn't want DOC in there being like, how the fuck was this guy moving around so freely? Yeah, how the fuck was he able to put a mural in the <laughs> yeah. department? He wasn't. <laughs> Here's some cover. Why is he yeah. hanging out in the deputy, deputy warden's office where they keep secure paperwork? Yeah. And and shit. Yeah. yeah. yeah so he, he just was, didn't want to get in trouble. He no. did not. Yeah. not. Not at all. No. Makes a great witness. Yeah. 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 Jeez. And eventually Bobby herself testified that she was held captive. She did not go willingly. She was threatened, abused, and drugged repeatedly by Dial to keep her under his control. And it was only after he was apprehended that she learned that his connections to the mob and law enforcement were all complete and total bullshit. Keep in mind, at this point, Dial is already dead. When she goes to trial, Dial's been dead for four years. Oh my god. So then, I mean, so then there's no reason for her to hold anything back. No. Because she knows that he's not going to cause any retribution. Yeah. So why would she lie about it? And she, they can't call him as a witness Mm -mm. to say... No, I I took her by force. She was not. But he a did state that she, he did in his prison or in his jail interviews mm-hmm. and everything like that. They never oh, entered man. it into evidence. Oh, of course they didn't because it's hearsay. Of course they didn't. Yep. Oh my god! So <laughs> yeah. the trial took so long that the judge consistently encouraged both sides to expedite the process. It was like a six month trial. That's really in long. Greer County for not a murder. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. For not a murder. Yeah. And they called more than 80 witnesses. There were 800 plus pieces of evidence presented. So for comparison's sake, the jury selection on this took weeks. The jury selection for the Terry Nichols bombing conspiracy trial took nine days. I was about to say, I think they did more for this trial than they did for him killing that guy earlier. Yeah. When they didn't even put him on trial no, for that trial. No. They just they just sentenced They're him just and like, rolled All out. Right, yeah. Here you go. Go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna be in prison so bad, here you go. Here's yeah. your cell. <laughs> yeah. So all of this started like jury selection and stuff started in like March of two thousand eleven. September two thousand eleven. Oh no. They convict her. She is found guilty. She's sentenced to one year in prison. For all of that for one year? Mm-hmm. For one year. For aiding in the escape. Did she get any time served? She served six months. Okay. And got let out for good behavior. Okay. And still don't approve of it, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um apparently she was like a model inmate. She was helping teach. Well, of course. Stuff, she's like, been suppressed before. Yeah, yeah. She's been a prisoner now she's, for Yeah, she's been a how prisoner many before. That one of the interviews she did too when they when they told her, you know, you're going to be sentenced to how you could be sentenced up to 10 years and she was like, I've been in a prison for the past 10 years, yeah. so yeah. this is nothing new to me. Yeah. So she had made peace with it in a way. She's probably was, like, hell, if I can get trustee status in Oklahoma DOC, I'll have more fucking freedom than I did down in the chicken ever, farm. Ever. Yeah. So yeah. I won't have to clean up after chickens. <laughs> yeah. Apparently you can do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so she left prison as a convicted felon. Oh my God. She would never Which be means able. She can't teach. To get a ever, teaching yeah. job. Mm. She can never vote. I'm very, like, this upsets me. She. Yep. So stupid. Later filed an appeal to her conviction. However, it would cost over $100,000 to order the court transcripts. What? Because the trial was so lengthy. Oh, my God. 
God. And of course, she they couldn't afford it. So her attorney attempted to have her declared indigent so that the state would have to provide the transcripts okay. for her. And they denied it. Of course. Yep. Because her husband is the freaking warden. He's making good money. Yep. So they later denied her appeal as well. Of course. So she's still a still a convicted felon. Of course. Randy Parker continued his career at DOC and eventually retired and still was married to Bobby Parker. Yeah. Well, you know still what? maintained her innocence, still yeah. supported her. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. That's crazy. That's a wild ride. Right? <laughs> That's insane to me. Yeah. It's bananas. It, during all of this, like, we were talking when we first started this research, and Dial, Dial was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. At the time of his escape, he had already served seven plus years, mm-hmm. almost eight years mm-hmm. of his sentence. He had already been reduced to minimum security status. Right. He was probably close to being paroled. Yeah. yeah. Any hearing or parole hearing or anything like that that would have come up, the fucking warden oh, yeah. would have spoken on his behalf yeah. and yeah. said what a great model prisoner yeah. he was. So then, like, I feel like that he was short-tracked for maybe he early parole. He was 1,000% short-tracked, yeah. yes. It's super interesting story, super... There's so many things that go into it. Like, you could totally debate both sides of whether she was willing and, or not. And yeah. 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 So. Yeah, that's... You could you could debate that literally all day. Yeah. Her husband seemed so devoted and so sure that she yeah. never went willingly. And when she was found, he was like, I made sure I was the first. You know, I made sure I got there as soon as I could and brought her home like and there was no i mean if it was a loveless marriage i feel like he would have declared her dead a long time ago also in one part of dial's book he goes on to tell a story of how he overheard randy talking like putting his wife down and and saying all these things and as i as shan was reading it i was like He's literally projecting himself onto Randy yeah. Yeah. as how he views women because he didn't. Oh, and yeah. I, in my mind, when they when I read that they found like condoms and stuff in the trailer and whatever, and this led to the fact that they're having consensual sex, he admitted that he didn't want anything to do with kids. He didn't even have anything to oh, do yeah. with his own kids. Yeah. Like after he was done with the moms, he was just like, bye. You know? Yeah. And it's she, not like he can't drive her down and be like, put her on birth control. Because Exactly. Yeah, especially in the 90s when yeah. everything is documented. Exactly. You can't just go buy So I'm something. like, if you're raping someone repeatedly, a woman of childbearing yeah. age, you're not stupid enough yeah. to He's smart enough to get out of prison. pregnant, you yeah. know? He's smart enough to yeah. escape. Just because there's condoms doesn't mean it was no. consensual no, sex. Because there are not. tons of men that have raped women and put With condoms condom on, on. Just because of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's insane. That's crazy. Thank you guys for coming and telling me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This was fun. It was a lot of fun. I very much enjoyed not having to tell the story. (laughs) 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 And just sitting and going, I'm sorry, what? What did you just say to me? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Uh, um, For the listeners out there, uh Uh, make sure you go and listen to You're Doing Fine, Oklahoma. Wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) Yes, please. Please join us. Please and thank you. (laughs) Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) 
You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?